Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Avid Kahl, and I talk about how you can start, run, and sell the Bootstrap business. This episode is called How to Deal with Plans That No Longer Work and Looking at Profit Sharing as Employee Compensation. Ooh, two topics. Let's get started. You may have started your business with subscription plans that turn out to be problematic. At Feedback Panda, we had started with a $5 a month plan. And after a few months of offering that, we sunset that plan because we noticed that it affected a kind of customer that we didn't want to serve, bargain shoppers. The customers on that very cheap plan were using our customers' support channels significantly more than those who were on more expensive plans. They complained more and requested more features than anybody else. So we closed off that plan for new users. Wasn't worth it. And they hated it. Many people who had started their trial assuming that they would get a $5 a month plan reached out to us and complained that we took it away before they got a chance to subscribe. While it always hurts to receive such feedback, it was still the right course of action. The voices of those who are bothered will always be much louder than the silence of those who don't mind, right? So we saw in our numbers that our conversion rate didn't suffer from this change, so it was good for us. If you remove a plan, you have a choice. Either you upgrade all users to one of the remaining plans, or you grandfather in their subscription, which means they get to keep their old plan even though it's no longer offered to new customers. So let's discuss both of these options here. Let's talk about upgrading everybody and grandfathering everybody and what benefits or disadvantages each of these has. Let's talk about upgrading all affected customers first. Your best chance to increase your MRR immediately is to just upgrade all of the customers on the plan that you plan to remove. This will also cause a lot of trouble if you're not giving your customers enough time and options to react to the announcement before a single additional dollar changes hands. And you really have to inform your customers way ahead of time. Give them a month if you can, maybe even more, but at least a few weeks should be between the announcement of the removal of a plan and the actual change. Special focus should be on communicating this change clearly to your trial customers who started their accounts under the impression that this plan would still be available for them when the trial period was over. If you want to be particularly friendly, allow those customers to still subscribe to the plan even while it's already unavailable for other users. And some customers will cancel. A very effective course of action is to just reach out to those who intend to cancel and give them or try to get them to stick around with a discount. Often, giving them a month for free is enough of a sign of good faith for them to reconsider their cancellation. And should they still cancel, think twice if it's worth spending more time and effort at winning them back. Because if at all, you really only need to try and reactivate them via email a few days or weeks after they quit. And new prospective customers who start a trial, even though the lower price is gone, are who you want to interact with at this point, right? The people who still are interested in your product, even though the price just changed. They and your existing customers who are willing to pay more for better products should be the focus of your attention. So that would be the option for upgrading everybody. Let's talk about grandfathering everybody now. I think grandfathering can be great to keep your early customers around. But there's a risk of underselling your product significantly. It can be a business risk not to be able to claim the real value of your product as revenue just because you think your customers are emotionally attached to a lower price. Expansion revenue is made impossible 
if the customers who happen to be subscribers are, are receiving like a lifelong discount. An excellent way to allow grandfathering is making it conditional and temporary. Allow them to keep the lower price for a year if they upgrade to a yearly subscription. Else, force them to upgrade to the new price. Understand that they should pay for the product they received today, not the product they signed up for years ago. When we removed the cheapest plan, we decided to grandfather our $5 a month customers in. And one noticeable consequence was that most customers who reached the limits of their plan eventually upgraded. Only a few customers tried to stay under the limit by deleting data diligently. They rather saved a few dollars a month than having access to their old feedback data. They would rather spend, and that was really weird, hours a week on a productivity tool that was supposed to save them hours a week just to save five bucks a month. It's quite strange. And the number of these people was relatively low. So we just ignored it and never encouraged them to upgrade, never kind of forced them. And it was like 20 something, 25, at the beginning, maybe 50 people. And that just wasn't worth our time. And we grandfathered those customers indefinitely, which is something I would not recommend anymore. Give your customers a high but finite amount of time to enjoy their old subscription plan. And I think a year is great. Maybe half a year is going to be enough. Depends on your business. After that time, request that they upgrade to their correspondingly more expensive plan because your product grew, right? It grew in terms of value that they receive. So all of your customers should compensate you accordingly, eventually. Just because somebody was there early doesn't mean that they should get a lifetime discount necessarily. You can offer that if that's a way of you getting people into your product early and reward them for that choice. But it is going to be a disconnect between the value that you provide and not only the money that you receive in compensation. That is an obvious difference. But the other difference is that those people who are likely also your biggest evangelists because they've been with you for a long, long time, they've been using your product and they are able to share all this information, all these, this insight into its usefulness. They perceive your product being valued at the price that you, they pay. Not the price that you ask other people to pay for it, but the price that they pay. So if you have a severe price increase in between, there's all of, all of a sudden a chasm between the price perception and the value perception of your early customers who are very likely quite loud about your product and your later customers who pay much more. So think about that. Think about the psychological dimension of keeping people on a cheap price plan forever and what that might do to their perception of value. So I didn't receive any questions about this topic on Twitter. Um, if you want to know anything about this, just drop me a direct message on Twitter or an email um, at arvid at the, the, the founder.com and I'll answer it next week. Um, but yeah, just reach out to me in any way you like. Now I want to talk about profit sharing as employee compensation for bootstrappers after this. The following message is brought to you by Balsamic. Balsamic have decided to support the Bootstrap Founder community by donating their sponsored airtime to some of our listeners. Today's guest sponsor is DrawSQL. Um, as a developer, have you ever wanted to visualize your database schema? Of course you have, and I would be quite surprised if a developer has not run into this. Um, DrawSQL helps you. 
with this. They help you create pretty database diagrams to document your database and to share it with your dev team. I did this by hand the last time I needed to visualize the, the Panda database. And it was no bueno. It was really, really tough to do because instead of being able to just show the developer that I was working with the relationship, the relationships, I guess, inside the database that I wanted them to work on, I had to spend four hours manually drawing it out, even with the available tools at this point, and yeah, no more. DrawSQL just launched Gallery with over 200 templates. And that one was actually featured on Product Hunt and ranked number three on Hacker News. So definitely go check it out at drawsql.app to see some database schema references of popular open source packages. It's really cool. And to get a 20% lifetime discount, <laughs> great, on any DrawSQL plans, use code bootstrapped or just email Dennis at drawsql.app. So that again is drawsql.app. And if you'd like to receive a promo code for Balsamic, or even just thank the folks at Balsamic for supporting this community, just go to balsamic.com slash go slash bootstrap dash founder. Yeah, and that's it. All right, let's... After we've just talked about what doesn't work for our customers, let's maybe talk about what works for employees. And that's quite a rare topic in bootstrapping conversations. Like in the beginning, most founders are solopreneurs and try to stay that for the longest time. So anything employee related is a late, late stage discussion topic. But I think um, it's still something that we should talk about in preparation for building a business just as well as while we're in the middle of it. So we don't often talk about employee compensation in the bootstrap space as many businesses just have few employees. And we only start hiring when it's absolutely necessary. So making sure that our employees are properly compensated for their work beyond their regular salary isn't one of the most promising themes that we have to think about. In a recent conversation that I had with a founder who's contemplating his first hire, we weighed the employee compensation options that we have, that we were aware of in a low funding, sustainably growing bootstrap business. And that would be equity and profit sharing. I know there's also bonuses, but I'm not really sure if that is a comp compensation option that kind of scales with the actual value of the business, which is better expressed through equity because it's just ownership of the actual business or profit sharing, which scales along the actual profit margin. So the common way to have employees participate in the upsides of a business is through handing them some kind of ownership. And that usually comes in the form of shares, equity. And that model is used by almost all businesses alike. It's just a traditional approach to incentivize long-term thinking and sticking around with a business. And as a consequence, extensive vesting schedules and retention clauses turn equity as an employee compensation into a very complicated legal labyrinth. And then there's profit sharing. In the bootstrap community, ConvertKit has been a forerunner of this kind of compensation. In fact, uh, their CEO, Nathan Barry, has written a guide about this topic. And profit-sharing programs are usually quite straightforward. Any profit that happens in a business beyond a certain amount that is needed for the business itself is shared with the employees of the business in some degree. They don't own the business, but they participate immediately in its success. So the question is, which one would work better for you, your employees and your business? So let's just look at both through the lens of a bootstrap business. In particular, I want to focus here on incentive alignment. I 
talk about alignment a lot when it comes to co-founders. And I think alignment is also very important with your employees, of course, just in a, maybe in a different way. And just like with co-founders, you really need the, your employees' goals to be aligned with the goals of the business. For most bootstrap businesses, that would be sustainable growth, a long-term perspective of making a difference in the lives of a well-defined audience with a critical problem that you solve reliably. Like That is the core. Align goals, along growth, and a long-term perspective of keeping your business in this kind of context of providing value consistently. Equity in a business is relevant in two situations. When dividends are distributed and when the business gets sold, the exit. Dividends are tricky while the business is growing as they're most often reinvested or deferred in some way. As a minority shareholder, employees really won't have much say about if they ever see any money from this. And it wouldn't even be a lot to begin with. So that kind of leaves the exit, the, the happy event when the business is sold for millions of dollars. And mostly that is a once in a lifetime event for most businesses. And then of course there are options and liquidation preferences and dilution and a lot of taxes and many legal tripwires. So equity is quite complicated, particularly if you are a small business and you don't want to deal with the legal complexities. Equity incentivizes building a lot of value, and that's great, but it incentivizes it in a way that it expects a singular far-in-the-future event at which the employee hopes to get a large amount of money. Maybe. That's a lot of uncertainty, both about the present as well as the future. This results in a number of alignment issues for a bootstrap business. Strategic decisions are heavily influenced by the potential long-term yield that they might generate. And big bets start to look enticing with a lot of upside for the future valuation of the business, but with an equal amount of downside. And that threatens sustainability goals. It's just a lot of risk in this. The one clear alignment overlap that employees who are um, also eventual owners of the business is that they will work um, to, to come up with long-term strategies as those are much more likely to lead to increased share value. So that's where both equity and profit sharing are really looking into the, the same kind of benefit, right? There's just long-term alignment. And multi-year vesting schedules are supposed to strengthen this particular alignment. They force employees to stick around for a long time in hopes that they deserve their slice of the pie after having proven themselves to be loyal enough. And complicated legal systems need to be set up to stop them from just quitting the day after they receive their shares. And to me, this doesn't particularly yell out alignment of interest the same way that you would expect a big family, like employees and founders and everybody together in the business to really be aligned, right? If you need to set up these construct, uh, these, these legal constructs that are quite complicated. If things go well, the fully vested employee we have, will have helped generate sufficient value to warrant handing over what is effectively a lump sum payment just in the form of shares. But what if their performance was not as stellar? Transferring ownership of an often significant part of the business to somebody who burdened much less or none of the risk that's involved just doesn't sound too good, even in the best cases. Which is why I want to look at profit sharing now. Profit sharing looks much more compatible with the long-term strategy of running a bootstrap business. In a way, profit sharing is the employee compensation version of recurring revenue. Instead of counting on the one big payout, 
employees are regularly sharing in the profits of the business they, they work for. So instead of hoping for a future event, profits are shared repeatedly in short or midterm timeframes. Long-term strategies are encouraged just like with equity, but another critical concept is a play here. If you expect to get a profit share every few months, you won't go for short-term gains that threaten long-term goals. And you won't set long-term goals that threaten short-term wins either. Your employees will try to generate reliable, sustained upside along the way, all the time. They're working in the present moment, not just some nebulous future. And at the same time, there is no singular point in time where the payout is complete in the same sense as a fully vested equity can be considered done or complete. There will always be more profit to be shared. Long-term employee retention is not a carrot on a stick play here. It's an organic result of a sustained and ever-increasing flow of monetary compensation. But profit sharing isn't risk-free either, so I think it's only fair to mention a few issues that it may cause for you, the founder, and for your employees and your business itself. The world of venture capital, I feel, has created a legacy of inflated expectations about the value of stock options and owning equity in a business. If candidates expect you to offer equity in some form, they might just be less interested in joining your company when you only offer them profit sharing, no matter how much more they would actually benefit from that. Retaining 100% of the ownership in your business might also make you look greedy and overpossessive, and particularly when compared to many VC-funded founders who just consider sharing equity a necessary evil. Of course, this is a psychological bias, but you will need to be able to address it nonetheless. The most obvious point of contention with profit sharing is that it will result in less cash in the business. If you distribute profit to your employees, can't be reinvested into growth efforts. The perception that this is a problem also stems, I guess, from the legacy of venture capital funding, where growth at all costs has for the longest time been regarded as the prime operational principle. But in a slow-growing, sustainable bootstrap business, sharing the spoils and carefully fueling growth are not as exclusive as many people think. Definitely requires everyone involved to adapt to unexpected circumstances like recessions or severe market disruptions, but I think sharing profits and growing your business at the same time is a realistic possibility. I enjoy seeing more and more businesses experimenting with profit sharing instead of convoluted equity arrangements for employee compensation. In some way, this is not much different from the shared earnings agreement used by Earnest Capital as a means to fund bootstrap companies without requiring the fund to own shares in the businesses. And I think these kind of income sharing agreements work well on the investment investor level and create a lot of alignment between capital and business. Profitable businesses pay higher dividends and higher shares or they hire like um, income shares, parts of the income right here and now. This is the kind of alignment that profit sharing can create between your business and your employees as well. The same kinds of income sharing agreements are being used successfully as a payment method for coding bootcamps I just found out this week. I'm deferring paying for tuition until the student has a full-time job. And I really like this, this moving away from all up front or all immediately after towards a time-dispersed approach. That just seems to be such a common theme in all kinds of compensations that are cropping up. All over the place. You see it in investments, you see it in equity compensation or compensation in businesses, and now also in coding bootcamps. It's just a really nice and rather novel idea to think about participating in the long-term sustainable yield of a business in some way. So 
shared earnings, profit sharing, and income sharing all revolve around the core principle of long-term relationships built on mutual trust and the belief that small recurring compensation events are more reliable, inclusive, and empowering than one-off lump sums. Risk is spread out, optionality increases, and alignment is synchronized at any given point in time. If you're a bootstrap founder considering compensating your first employees, consider profit sharing. Equity is a great option too, but by far not the only one. Whatever approach you prefer, make sure it aligns with the goals of your employees and it aligns the goals of your employees with the goals of your business. After all, that's the whole point of compensation. Thank you for listening to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. If you, you can find me on Twitter at Arvid Kahl, A-R-V-I-D-K-H-L, and you can check out the blog at thebootstrapfounder.com. If you have any questions about the topics of this episode, reach out on Twitter or send an email to arvid at thebootstrapfounder.com. I'll answer all these questions next week. If you want to support me in the Bootstrap Founder Podcast, please leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe to the podcast. It'll help other founders and founders-to-be find the podcast and learn more about starting, running, and selling their bootstrap businesses. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.